Well, thank you for coming. As Pastor said, uh, the reading will be from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 7 to 13. We'll, uh, we'll start reading from verse 7. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So, um, I entitled this sermon, uh, Paul's Model Prayer for the Church, which is in the second part of our reading. But uh, before we get into... Uh, that I just uh, say by introduction the history of the church at Thessalonica. This is the second church that Paul had established in Europe. He was there for only three Sabbath days. So uh, the most he could have spent there was three weeks. And he was virtually expelled by the unbelieving Jews and the authorities. And he went to Berea and then thence on to Athens. And at Athens he longed to sit there to hear from the Thessalonian church to see what had happened while he was away. And he learned that they were suffering persecution. So he decided to send Paul, uh, Paul decided to send Timothy, his most loyal uh, follower, to find out what was happening in the church at Thessalonica, to strengthen and encourage them. And uh, Timothy brought back a good report from Thessalonica that they were continuing the faith in spite of all the persecutions they were suffering and uh, in spite of hearing of Paul's ongoing afflictions and distresses. So we see here that, that uh, Paul was very concerned about them and he starts this model prayer in verse 10 to 13. And uh, we should understand Paul's care for the church he saw that they were just spiritual babes in Christ. And uh, they needed teaching and instruction on how to grow spiritually and to please the Lord. As Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. As we all know, newborn babes can't do much for themselves. They... Uh, they uh, they need constant, constant care and attention. They, they need milk, not solid food. Just like Peter said, they need the sincere milk of the word, not solid, solid meat. And Paul desires to go back and gives them, give them this sincere milk of the word. So um, the Apostle Paul is comforted in uh, chapter 3, verses 7 to 9 on hearing of their ongoing faith and charity. 
and that I remembered him with love and longed to see him again. The Apostle Paul saw that all comfort really comes from God. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we are comforted of God. So Paul is comforted on hearing of the Thessalonian church going on because he decided he would send Timothy to comfort them and to establish them in the truth. And, uh, and so we should comfort each other, encourage each other with the comfort that God gives us when we go through something we're able to comfort somebody who might be going through a similar thing. I remember when I was comforted and encouraged on hearing the professions of faith of my parents from my sister. And uh, looking back, I'm not that sure whether they were genuine, but I have hope and trust that they were because I did see changes in their lives. And... And my sister also, I believe, is saved and her family is saved. And it's a real comfort and encouragement to know that these things are so. And we should be comforted and encouraged to, uh, to continue to witness to our family and friends and not give up. We see that uh, my next point is that Paul's heart is bound up in the church. Indeed, his very life is for them. He says in verse 8 of chapter 3, For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. His uh, very life is to do the will of God in his life. This is similar to the Lord Jesus. He said in uh, John chapter 2 verses 17, oh, I didn't say it but it's written, The zeal of thine house has eaten thee up. And in John Chapter 4, 34, he said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And this is what Paul was doing in uh, bringing the gospel into Europe, even though he suffered greatly for it and was uh, hounded by the unbelieving Jews wherever he went. And uh, I believe it's really comforted and encouraging to see people in the church continue doing their ministries and faithfully, loyally, each week, week after week, without complaining. When we see pastor get up here week after week, after doing these sermons, I appreciate how much work does go into each sermon. And for anybody who gets up here to preach and teach the word, there's so much work that goes into it. We should really appreciate and respect the work that people put into it. So Paul... My next point is that Paul thanks God for the church and rejoices in them before God. It says this in verse 9. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. So not only Paul was Paul comforted and encouraged, he, he uh, had real joy in knowing that they were continuing in the faith. And he gives thanks to God for for them. So too we should really give thanks to God for this church, for the minister of the gospel that God has given us 
and we should seek the welfare of our church, its edification and growth. We should remember where we were without Christ and without the church. Being unsaved meant, as it says in Ephesians 2 verse 12, we were without Christ, having no hope and without God in the world. So now I come to uh, my second main point, which is Paul's model prayer for the church. Paul goes to intercede for the church. He says in verse 10, Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. His first, the thing he prays for is that he might see them face to face again. So it is one thing to write a letter to somebody, snail mail, but it's another thing to see them face to face. Now we have emails, text and Skype or Viber messages or phone calls, but that is not the same thing as seeing somebody face to face. We all know the joy when we are reunited with a loved one or a family member after being separated for, for a while. As John says in 2 John verse 12, having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. So we see the Apostle Paul was rejoicing at hearing a good report of the Thessalonian church, but for his joy to be full, he needed to see them again and to preach and teach the word of God that they might be strengthened and edified, that they might uh, receive that sincere milk of the word that Peter wrote about. My next point is that Paul's desire is not only to see them once more, but to perfect that which is lacking in their faith. It says that in uh, verse 10. This perfecting means to complete thoroughly, to repair or to adjust. He wanted to preach and teach more of the God's word to edify and strengthen them. As Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, which is the first church that uh, Paul established in, in Greece, he wanted to go to be with the Lord but he recognised that it was not more needful for them that he remain with them. As he says in Philippians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul recognises that the Thessalonian church and all the other churches that he had established needed him to be there to, uh, to preach and teach the word of God. It is uh, one of the main ministries of an apostle it has been established in, in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. It states, uh, but we will, con- we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This is exactly what Paul was doing. He was giving himself to the ministry, not only of the word, but to prayer. So, uh, and also Paul recognises 
that he had a protecting influence over the church. In Acts chapter 20, he says to the Ephesian elders, After my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. So Paul also recognised that men from within the church would arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. And the churches needed his protecting guidance and ministry. And that now has been given to, to pastors and deacons to protect the flock, to keep us from these grievous wolves, false teachers and false brethren that would come in and try to s- spread false doctrine and draw away disciples from the church. So we should pray for our ministers of the gospel to exercise wisdom in, in protecting us and exercising church discipline against people who try to do these things. As an illustration of this, we too need to have our faith perfected, that is to be uh, complete thoroughly. We need to be growing in faith. Our faith needs to be growing. If we have faith as a small mustard seed, we can accomplish great things, but if it's growing, we can do even greater things. Some have likened faith to a muscle, that the more you use it, the stronger it becomes. Some of us like to work out in a gym. Some of us like to go on long runs. But uh, I myself content myself with going out on short walks for about half an hour, about twice a week. That's That's all I can do, especially in this heat. And I really can't run anymore because... A few years ago, I broke my ankle. And uh, I'm a bit like Pastor Chapel. I read in one of his books. If I felt like exercising, I would lie down until the feeling passed. <laughs> However, there is no excuse for not exercising our faith. We can grow and increase. It's like a sportsman exercising and exercising for that gold medal or to win that grand final or to win that test match. It's like a student going through different levels in primary school, onto high school and maybe onto university and then university going on to postgraduate studies and to do a doctorate maybe. We limit ourselves by our own laziness I think or our lack of faith or our doubt, we can increase and grow in faith as long as we trust God and we go through those tests which are meant to increase our faith. If we fail the test, God will not pass us on to the next level until we pass that test that we failed already and it will keep on bringing us back to that point until we pass that test and we go on to the next one. Paul also, my next point, prays for God's guidance in directing him on his way back to Thessalonica. He says in verse 11, Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. He wasn't leaving it to chance. He had tried twice previously to return to Thessalonica, but Satan had hindered him. It says in chapter 2, verse 18, 
Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. So we see here, God allowed this as a further test of Paul's faith, whether he would be faithful and just wait for the right opportunity to return. And since he couldn't go himself, he sent Timothy. So this was testing for Paul. It was testing for the the church at Thessalonica. And I think both of them passed this test of faith. My next point is that Paul is further specific in his prayer that God would make them increase and abound in love toward one another and toward all men, even as the Apostle Paul loved them. Paul took it for granted that they would love others because they were Christians, they had the nature of God in them. But he wasn't leaving it to chance, he wanted them to increase and abound in love. This is so important that our love should be increasing, just like our faith. I think that the two go together, that our faith will increase as our, our love would increase as our faith increases. Because simply put, some people take a lot of faith to love. And uh, like, uh, and Paul says that it should increase and abound toward all men. I know that some people in our own family are unlovable. Uh, some, some of the people we have to work with or go to school with are unlovable. But we should be praying that we would increase and abound in love, not only towards the ones we like, but also to the ones we would hold to be our enemies, like the ones who are persecuting the church at Thessalonica and who had persecuted Paul. And Paul is not asking them to do something that he's not doing himself. He says, even as we do toward you. Paul says in the letter of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So we should follow the godly example of others in the church who are spiritually minded. And uh, we should have them in great respect and uh, admiration. And finally, Paul comes to the end of his prayer. Paul prays that God will establish their hearts unblameable in holiness before him, that is, before God. The end is that they would have a a good judgment seat of Christ because in the rapture that Paul is talking about, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints, The next event after that is the judgment seat of Christ. And Paul wants them to be unblameable in holiness. And I think we'd all like to be that at the judgment seat of Christ. Unblameable in holiness does not mean sinless perfection, but rather a level of spiritual maturity and sanctification where we seek to do God's will, not our own. It is just as Abraham was told to walk before God and be perfect. That perfect meant to be mature, not to be a spiritual babe. So the church at Thessalonica were going to going on from being spiritual babes to being mature. And Paul wasn't leaving it to chance. 
immediately he was praying exceedingly night and day that they would become mature. Also another point is that unblameable in holiness means that we are dealing with sin in our lives. It should never be covered up or excused. We should have an unblameable life in the life in the in the sight of the people in the world. And uh, there should be nothing in our lives that the world would see that would bring blame on us or, or blame to the Lord. We should endeavour to preserve our fellowship with God. Once we're saved, we can't lose our salvation, but, it, but sin can break that close fellowship with God. So confessing our sins restores that fellowship. And as John says in 1 John Chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is something that David, King David, found when he covered up his sin. He suffered, but as soon as he confessed and forsook his sin, God restored him. David had to pray Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. But now, in the New Testament, in the church age, we cannot lose our salvation. God will not take his Holy Spirit from us like he could have from Old Testament saints. But our fellowship with God can be broken because of sin. And it needs to, needs to be confessed and forsaken. In conclusion, I'd like to say that Paul showed his love for the church in practical ways. He sent Timothy when he couldn't go himself to strengthen them and to comfort them. And this led to Paul being comforted on hearing a good report from Timothy. So we too should show our love for the church in practical ways by service and involvement in ministry. This would lead to our being comforted and strengthened in the Lord. We should also, like Paul, give thanks for the church and rejoice in each other and rejoice in the Lord who has given this, this wonderful institution of the church. Finally, we should, like Paul, pray for our church and for one another. And like Paul, we should be specific in our prayers and, uh, and as we see here in, in uh, chapter 3, beginning in verse 10, the first thing Paul prayed for was that he might have good fellowship with the church, to see them face to face. We should pray that we have sweet fellowship one with another. And the next thing he prays for is that he might be able to perfect that which is lacking in their faith. We should be praying that we be perfected in our faith. And this is accomplished by hearing the teaching, preaching of the word of God reading our Bibles and just doing the Lord's will. And the next thing Paul prays for is God's guidance. We should pray for guidance from God in everything. We shouldn't leave it to chance. Paul had tried to go back twice and was thwarted by Satan. So whenever we do anything new, we should always pray for God's guidance and protection. The next thing that Paul prays for 
was that they would increase and abound in love. And that's something that we should be praying for ourselves, that we would increase and abound in love, not just towards people in the church, but toward all men, everybody that we come across. And that we should be unblameable in holiness. We should be dealing with sin, not covering it up, not excusing it. And we should have the expectation to be right with the Lord when he returns in the event we call the rapture because immediately after that is the judgment seat of Christ. At the judgment seat, sin will not be judged. It's been judged on the cross. But it is dispensing of rewards for faithful service. And I think we'd all like to have a judgment seat of Christ as pastor says that his, his desire for us and we should be endeavouring to do that with all our hearts, with all our strength, with all our might. Thank you.